I don't require a costume to be scary. Dogs bark and children cry when I enter the room. Police reach for their firearm. Smoke detectors sound and power grids go down. Muhammad Ali's tongue gets twisted and Mr. T pities himself in my presence. Grizzly bears cover their eyes until I pass. Lions tame themselves. Horses break. Wolves stop howling. Grown men cry. Clients pay me to stay away from their homes. The, the sun sets and the moon stays in the shadow of the earth. I'm Mike Kanoki, the scariest contractor and podcast host in the world. And with that established, welcome to the Contracting Handbook Podcast Halloween Special. In this episode are the stories of tradespeople and contractors from all over the world. I haven't even listened to the stories myself, but I want to thank everybody who read the instructions and followed the guidelines. And for those of you who didn't, your stories are still going in. While I'm an instruction reader, let's face it, we're all fiercely independent and like to make up our own rules. In particular, Brandt, give me artistic license or give me Death Taylor clocking in at just over seven minutes and swearing. Speaking of independence, I have a question for you. How many independently recorded and produced podcasts do you listen to? The Contracting Handbook podcast is 100% independently recorded and produced. There's no sponsors. There's zero investors. I don't pay for reviews. I can't stress the importance of you guys writing reviews to help this show get more exposure and sharing it on social media with your own community. And to all those who have, I can't thank you enough. I appreciate you. Now let's celebrate reaching the top 5% of all podcasts globally on the 100th episode of the Contracting Handbook Podcast. It was a cold, windy day in Silverthorne, Colorado, January 1993. I was maybe a week into my first job with the framing crew at age 19. It was a big crew, cookie cutter, turn and burn subdivision. I did not know jack about carpentry, but I was mastering moving boxes of nails. At lunch, the older guys in their late 20s and early 30s would pile into a van. 20 or 30 minutes later, the door would slide open and a gaggle of guys would emerge through a cloud of smoke. Okay, safety was clearly up to the individual. There's so much to say about the site. So a couple minutes later, buddy comes running to me looking for a screwdriver chisel to unpin a skill saw blade guard that had two fingers jammed up in it. (laughs) Welcome to the trades, Michael. Next up, Andy Bannister from Earth Tone Construction. Here's one for you, Mike. So this is before I owned my company. I was running work for another construction company. Mostly we did finished work in cabinets. And we did a lot of institutional work, a lot of prisons, and jails, as well as hospitals and libraries and those kinds of things. And I had to go down to San Francisco jail and work inside the jailhouse, inside the, uh, it was on a a few stories up, and I had to work inside where the inmates were, uh, walk past where they were on the phone to their loved ones and partners, and into, I guess, the guard office and put a new work surface in for him. And uh, so I get there with my countertop and my tools 
and I have a nail bag around my waist with a hammer, chisels, pencil behind my ear, tape measure, and a countertop and toe, expecting to have a guard walk me through. But nope, they just said, go on in. Uh, are you sure? So I got some sharp tools here. Ah, you'll be fine, they said. Don't worry about it. So sure enough, I had to go in, and uh, they let me in the the, the uh, through the gate. And right away, inmates were coming up to me. Somebody stole my pencil. Uh, somebody was asking me for another pencil. Um, made my way through. <laughs> uh, it was a little hairy, to say the least, but uh, apparently that's the way they do it. Um, nobody seemed to be concerned. Uh, managed to get the countertop installed and uh, came out safe with uh, most of my tools, uh, only a few pencils missing. Fun times. Hey, it's Gina from Big Dog Construction. The most horrifying thing I have ever had to do is tell a client that her house was no longer structurally safe and that we were going to have to basically condemn it. The piers that the house sat on were covered up with plywood. Plywood had been backfilled. Then it whipped moisture up into her rim joist and her floor joist. And all the floor joists around the entire house were basically rotten back so far that we we couldn't fix them. And it was very inaccessible underneath this house. So fixing it was just going to be too cost prohibitive. Um it absolutely was the worst news I've ever had to give a client. And I do not ever wish that on anybody. Hi, Crystal here. You might know me as Paint Chick on Instagram. So my scary story is when I had said yes to painting a room for a friend. Um, hadn't gone and seen the room first. It was paint to sell. He just wanted a fresh coat of paint put on this room because their daughters drew on the walls so I've turned up um, and he said you know don't worry about feeling anything we just wanted to make it look good okay cool nice and easy I can get this done in an afternoon so dip the roller in the ceiling paint and rolled it along the ceiling and it tore off all of the paint so the last painter hasn't undercoated the ceiling so we have had to scrape back the entire ceiling of this room. It all fell off. There was no way to save it. Okay, got that done, undercoated, finished the ceiling. Then I started on the walls. I had to go back the next day. Started on the walls and the walls peeled off too. So we had to scrape all the walls in this house back to bare, undercoat it, double coat it. So a job that should have taken me two hours tops ended up taking me a day and a half. That was, yeah, that was bad. Next up, Jasper Lyles, AKA Proficient Builders. I get a call from this lady up in Jacksonville. We're gonna do a deck. Can you come out and take a look? I gotta run some ideas by you, see if you can do it. And I said, sure. This was back before I was charging for quotes. 
I draw something out, just kind of sketch it, and I say, what are you looking for? She said, oh, I'm just looking for a 10 by 12. We need to put a little pool down there, put some lawn chairs in it, and just get our feet wet. I said, okay, that's fine. What are you looking for? She's like, I want some cedar. I'm like, okay. You going to maintain it? You going to paint it? You going to stain it? She's like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to stain it, she said. Okay. So I sketch it quickly. Told her, you know what, I got to get going. She thinks it over. It's like, yeah, I'd like to move forward with that. After I gave her an email quote, said she never got the email. I think there was number one, she said she never got it, but I got a confirmed sent from uh, QuickBooks that she did in fact get it. So I sent it again. She got it. So the price looked good. I said, okay, but you've got to come over and stake it out. I was like, all right. So me and my helper come over and stake it out. And she's working with us. She's kind of in and out. Um, she does some teaching up in Ashland. And uh, so, okay, we're done. Take a look at it. She's like, that looks good. So I left the string lines up with stakes in the ground. They're metal stakes, some wood. So she can visualize it over the night. So I get a phone call a few days later. She's like, yeah, it looks good to me. So I come over so we can mark it out, move forward, because she wants to proceed. And I notice all my stakes are out of the ground. String lines is kind of all over the place. I'm like, well, what happened? There was nothing, you know, no nails through the stakes holding the string. It was just tied on. So there's really someone had to pull them out. She tells me, I don't know how they're on the ground. I think the deer must have came in here the night before and pulled them up. And I looked at her like, you serious? She's like, yeah, me and my, my helper are laughing hysterically, like without laughing inside. And I was like, this lady's out of here. She's out of, she's out of her mind. She takes that. So I pulled up the stake. I said, hey, we're, we're going to take off now. I got other things to do. She's like, you guys going to come do the deck? And I'm like, yeah, if you approve the prize. So a few more days went by. We ended up doing the deck. We get about halfway done with the deck. She knew she wasn't going to pay me the full amount. I got a deposit, which paid for all the material and my help, but not me. So I looked over at my helper and I said, are you ready to do this? He said, yeah. I'm like, just go with me on this one. We're going to blow this thing out and get out of here because she's going to stiff me. I got out my framing gun, no screws. I didn't really care. I blew that deck together. Took us a day and a half. I walked away. She was going to turn her lawyers on me. And I was like, oh, whatever. And uh, I never heard from her again. Never heard from the deer. And that's my story. That's it. The deer must have did it. It's people. Soil and green is made out of. Hi, my name is Lisado Martinez, and I am known as a Builders World in Instagram. So what happened is on this job site that we went, it was a historic home, and we were painting it. But um, so when we got there, like early in the morning, there was a young woman in there, and then um, we needed to turn on some lights to be able to see better, but we couldn't find the switch. There was no switch all around the house. And we saw that young woman right there when we came in. 
But then when we looked for her, um, we couldn't find her anywhere because we were trying to turn the light. We looked for her everywhere and she was not there anymore. But me and my partner saw her. So eventually we finished painting that area and we went um, to, the, to the hallway and I was standing there in the entrance, the only entrance there is, and I saw an old lady come in from the door with some bags. So I thought, okay, so maybe that's the exit to go to the back of the building, right? So I told my partner and I go and check and that was just a closet. So I'm like, how did that lady get in here if I was standing in the entrance the whole time? We were like really scared at that time because there was no one in the house, but we clearly saw two women. So that was really spooky. Hello, all. My name is Jeff Chico. My Instagram page is Sweet Buzz Woodworks. After this story, you may have to think twice about whether or not do those travel. Because I think they do. So here it goes. A little story about things that go bump in the night. Working on an island in Maine with the company that I work with. We started a roof project that ended up being a two-year project. Well, by the second year, we found out the clients weren't going to be in the home. And to make things life easy for us, we were able to move in, to keep working, make things move along. A lot easier in Maine if you can stay away at locations, especially remote. Anyway, let's get you going down the trail of things that go bump in the night. <laughs> Okay. First off, back in the fall, September or so, it was about a 75 degree, 75 degree day, give or take a degree or so. Not much wind. Working in the living room, all of a sudden, a cold spot appeared, chilling to the bones. Felt like someone had just opened freezer and just like that it was gone forward down a few weeks were into the project pretty well demo had been done we had the floors down the new ones landlord on the floors yet somehow magically in the big master bedroom there was a trash bag kitchen trash bag that is for sale plaster well the next morning, in wrought iron nails, about three long, four, I should say four long, three wide, in the shape of a Roman crucifix was found on the floor. These nails were about three inches or so. At this point, the first one was kind of hard to dismiss. The next two might say, ah, someone's just playing a game on you. Well... At this point, I started affectionately naming her Ginger. I hope that wasn't the case that caused some more mishap in the house. Well, I think Ginger liked to be mischief and hide things on us. We would have certain items that we knew where, where we left them, and we wouldn't find them all day long. At, and by the next day or maybe a half a day later that same day or missing an item 
we would find them right where they were left. And yes, some people might think we're getting played on, but time is valuable. Why would we do this multiple, multiple times? Well, this is where things got really strange. It's working in the living room. I mean, the music room. The door is off. And it's leaning against the wall in a way that should not at all be able to fall over. Yet I'm on the floor working, and out of my corner of my eye, just in time, I saw that door falling. And falling in a way that doors shouldn't be able to fall. Not because it's defying physics at this point, but because the velocity that it was falling on me. I caught it in time, threw it against the wall. And that night, my friend was working with us, my buddy, on the crew. And he said, maybe he did it well. The timing and be able to do it would be almost a hand of God move to happen. So I went to tell him about it. And floating down the hallway above our heads, a red orb had appeared. He didn't get to see it. Yet, as I said to speak about it, it disappeared. And lastly, just like the beginning of this tale, we, my boss and me were checking out a room in the guest room, and as soon as he said it, it felt like a cold spot had appeared. I felt like someone had just took a knife and stabbed it into my shoulder. And so just as it began, it had ended. Strangely, Ginger didn't bother no one else but me. Not sure what that was all about, but I have to ask, do you believe in traveling ghosts? I say, maybe she was looking for a place to stay that kept her warm. Hi Mike, this is Andy Steele with FRS Builders, and here's my Halloween job site horror story. So several years ago, I was a PM for a company, and we had a particularly difficult client, and we were painting their house. I think maybe they were getting a divorce or something and selling their house and they needed it painted. Anyway, she had one of these $2,000 exotic cats, house cats that looks like a leopard or something. She left the cat's door open or the door to the room the cat stayed in open while the painters were there and the cat jumped in a five-gallon bucket of paint. Then the painters proceeded to catch the cat wash it in the bathtub, getting paint everywhere in the bathroom too. It was just a cluster. Hope you guys enjoy that and get a laugh. I can look back and laugh now, but at the time, it wasn't too funny. Mike Kanoki, how we doing? This is Bo Wheelock of the Bowbilt Company, the Bowbilt Co. on Instagram, representing Climate Zone 6 upstate New York. I got a little bit of a horror story for you. Uh, this dates back to prior to me starting my own company. This was a young, dumb 21-year-old kid uh, who had just purchased a four-unit rental property. And uh, this house was an absolute monster of a house. This was 4,200 square feet, uh, two-bedroom apartment. And uh, I, I grew up really fast owning this house. Um, it's really where I cut my teeth starting my carpentry journey and uh, kind of Learn the ins and outs of dealing with people, dealing with tenants, dealing with uh, bad tenants, and uh, learn some lessons very, very quickly on how to manage certain situations. But 
the thing that sticks out to me about uh, owning this property and one of the, the biggest traumas, I guess you would say, uh, was the one time that I tried to replace a hot water heater myself, uh, having no experience doing the plumbing at the time. And uh, the, the project started as I watched a couple YouTube videos, you know, went out there, tried to uh, shut off any water supplies that I thought were going to be uh, controlling this hot water tank. And uh, they were not. They were not. So I cut into a copper line and had some water in the basement very, very quickly. And, uh, you know, it's time kind of new. All right, I got to shut the main off real fast. Went over to the main. <laughs> the gate valve was so rusted. It didn't kill the water whatsoever. Uh, good time to also find out that the sub pump is non-operable. That's fantastic. Uh, so about the time this is all going on, I realized the boiler is like a couple inches off the ground and pilot light probably pretty quickly going to get killed. So uh, that takes place. And then I'm trudging through about four inches of water uh, through the basement trying to find any valve upstream of this, uh, this tank that might shut the water off. Can't figure it out. Long story short, ended up calling uh, the city to come get it shut off at the road. And uh, all in all, learned a pretty valuable lesson that day that uh, you know, if you don't know what exactly you're doing with plumbing, uh, and you're dealing with old pipes, old fittings, rusted things, uh, you should hire an expert. So, yeah, that's my horror story. <laughs> Next up, my virtual best buddy, Aaron Jones, Big Dog Construction. Okay, Mike. Names, locations will be omitted to uh, protect the innocent, the young, and the inexperienced. But uh, the setting is a commercial building. It is multi-level, multi-purpose. There's a theater in it, multiple tenants, and... Uh, the theater is being demoed to be revamped. A young man is tasked with knocking out a block wall in the lobby area, roughly, I don't know, 10 or 12 feet wide, probably around eight feet tall. The idea being is we could get on top of the suspended drywall ceiling, cut it free so it would land on the floor and it would be easier to clean up and get rid of. Young man takes out the block wall, gets it all cleaned up, no big deal. Proceeding through to the other side of the previously existing wall to set up a ladder to get on top of the ceiling and you feel water on the back of your neck. You look up, the block wall was not eight feet tall. The block wall actually continues to the deck at 14 feet. And there is a rather large pipe, a six inch pipe running through said block wall and it's leaking. That is a pretty horrifying moment. So there was some valiant efforts to shore up the wall. There was calls made to, hey, Let's get this water turned off. Didn't happen in time. The wall came down, the pipe let go. 
Now there's a six inch main gushing water into the building. It is running down through what's left of the theater, literally, literally out into the street. It is traveling out into the hallway, running down the hallway to the escalators, takes out a couple of escalators, down through every crevice, taking out multiple units below, and there's not a darn thing anybody can do to stop it. It took 45 minutes to find somebody to shut the water off. Six inches, a six inch pipe gushing water for 45 minutes and you're just somehow trying to hopelessly contain water from making further damage. Um, and there's just, there's nothing you can do. It's this unstoppable force. Next up, we have Naya Doncheva of Faux and Finish out of L.A. I used to work for a construction cabinet shop that built, finished, and installed cabinets. We were at a job site installing the lowers. I needed to use the restroom and, and asked if there's a bathroom that we can use or if there was a porta potty My boss said that the water may still be turned off because the electrician sawed into a pipe earlier this week. I was still new at the trades and anything construction-related was all magical to me especially problem-solving F-ups. I was asking, what do you do when something like that happens? How do you fix it? He, re he responded with, it's not our trade. You call the plumber have him, and have him deal with it. He proceeded to tell me that he only had it happen twice to him. I said, okay, and went to see the homeowner to see if I could use her restroom. I wanted to ask more questions, but I really had to pee. After all, this was a career change from healthcare administration to apprentice carpenter. And I told myself that I will never again hold my bladder for a job, no matter what the workload is. Months pass and I ended up getting fired from that job. It was a family owned business, two first cousins that are also married, just toxic situation all around. I mean, the man left his current wife to marry his first cousin. You can imagine how off in the head both of them were. Where was I? Oh yes, fast forward a few months and I'm assisting a finisher with prep work at a client's house. The client is a retired the client is a retired school teacher. And there's something about the way I talk to clients that they always want to tell me their entire life story. But wait, wait, wait. Back to the first story. I was there to switch out the hinges on the lowers for soft clothes. I already knew that my former bosses had burned a bridge with this homeowner, but I didn't want to know why. There was too many anxieties in my head, I didn't want to fill it in with more information. I really don't care for gossip. I like getting in and getting out. I don't want to fill my mind with he said, she said mumbo jumbo. I know that completely contradicts what I was telling you before about my former bosses being married first cousins, but I had to set the toxic scene for you. Anyways, I'm back at this client's house, and this was a fake-it-till-you-make-it situation. Did I know how to switch out hinges? Heck no. 
I watched the Bloom YouTube video a few times beforehand, took notes of what I needed to measure, and went in to measure the overlay, then headed to the hardware store to find some Bloom hinges. Later in that week, I'm back at the client's house switching hinges and adjusting them. I was there all day because I was legit teaching myself how to do it that day. YouTube is sped up. Real life takes a day. The homeowner started talking to me about how she's had so many problems with that kitchen. First, the finisher that was referred to her sprayed conversion varnish while they were in the house, did not box up the kitchen, and they had to run outside and breathe. If you've ever smelled conversion varnish without a respirator, that hurts. It really hurts your lungs. It's hard to breathe. Anyways, then th that same finisher sprayed the inside of the carb cabinets dark blue like the exterior, and then he had to come back and spray the interior white because she couldn't find anything in there because of how dark it was. Then the carpenter cut into a pipe in their, into their bedroom. Aha. Uh -huh. Did the light bulb go off for you? That's why my former boss has burned the bridge with this client. She proceeded to tell me how my former boss's wife was working in their bedroom. I'm assuming attaching the boxes to the studs and she hit a pipe. What my client was pissed about was that the way she reacted. She didn't apologize. She did not admit guilt. She just freaked out, packed their stuff, and let the client left the client to deal with the problem. This client is one of those good people type of person. Like, you feel comfortable around them. They don't give you judgy eyes. Anyways, she mentioned that if they would have just apologized and handled it better, she wouldn't have had such a problem with it. At the end of the day, mistakes happen, but what is important is how you handle those mistakes. Moral of the story, don't marry your first cousin and take accountability for your actions. And here's Mike Falzone of Mike's Tool Fund on Instagram. The year was 2016. The town was Port Hope, Ontario, Canada. I was doing electrical retrofit in a heritage home. This place is well over 100 years old and there's various additions added on to this building. I had to get down, sent down to the basement to pull in some wire and tie in some circuits. When I got down there, it was various corridors that led to different places. There was a one room which just had dirt floor. It was like you were in the Blair Witch Project right at the end of the show where that dude is standing in the corner. One of the doorways that led off to who knows where was boarded up. I later found out it was a tunnel that was used way back when for the Underground Railroad. Anyways, while I was tying in a circuit down in that room, it was pitch black. There was no lights in that room, so I had to wear just a, one of those head-mounted lights. And nobody else would go down there because they were all freaked out. And since I'm one of the only people that don't believe in ghosts or anything like that, I went down there no problem. But one thing that happened I haven't shared with anybody is where I was standing there. I kept hearing something behind me and behind me was where that door was boarded up and I looked over there and it looked like a shadow was walking by now obviously I it could be just the light that I had on my head but I was standing there staring and it was like something was staring back at me so I just put it back in the back of my head and said forget this turned around and just continued wearing the junction box I was working on 
And then once I finished, I turned around and the shadow was moving off in the distance. I was staying still and the shadow was just moving. And I swear it went into the doorway that I saw that was boarded up. And that was it. And then I just kind of turned around and left there, looked at my, you know, tools and stuff and just said, you know what? Fuck this shit. That's just my eyes playing tricks on me. That was the first incident that happened to me. This is Tony with Hollywood Decks. A few years ago, we had a homeowner insisting on completing the permit paperwork herself just to minimize the cost on her project. We agreed to do so and wrote it into the contract. As her project started, we noticed she started requesting changes. And that's perfectly fine. We accommodated that. And that cost gets applied to the final payment. So as we progressed and included the changes on the project, uh, everything was going well until we were at the final stages and were requesting a punch list to collect the final payment. Well, she then said she didn't want us to continue working because we no longer wanted to keep adding changes. Next thing we know, we get a call from the city inspector's office saying they wanted to meet with us about that project because no permits had been pooled. We shared the correspondence with her and the inspector said no building violations were noted, so it was just a matter of paperwork by the homeowner. Well, homeowner was still upset that we didn't want to do any more changes and that the city inspector let us off the hook. So she had the Better Business Bureau contact us. Well, we also provided the Better Business Bureau with all our documentation and they also closed the case. It did not stop there. We got a call from the Attorney General's office here from the state and they said that they also got a formal complaint from a client saying that we have robbed her of monies. Well, we also provided pictures and documentation to them, and they also closed the case. Needless to say, some clients will go to very, very, very harsh means to be able to get their way. However, it didn't happen. We are still progressively building our business. Be careful, folks. If you have a certain feeling about a client, stick to your gut feeling. Y'all pity the fool. Next up. Harvey Gesso, Maritime Carpenter. Okay, so it was about, I'm gonna say 12 years ago, I was uh, installing a garage door. First time ever doing it. I'm like, you know what? I could do this easy and uh, get her done no problem at all. Um, so doing the uh, tension springs, I was tightening up the tension springs, didn't have the proper tools for it. I grabbed a couple uh, screwdrivers and I start reefing on uh, the tension springs. As I'm reefing on, reefing on it, what happens? One screwdriver slips, my hand gets caught in behind the tension spring and the set screws were spinning out and my hand got caught in there and it busted my wrist open. Like literally split it open about an inch wide. Blood was pouring out of it, just gushing everywhere. Um, I took my shirt off, wrapped it around it, tuck taped it, drove to the hospital, got to the hospital, I ended up having to get 17, 27 stitches on the outside, 17 stitches on the inside, and I was one mil from losing function in my right hand. Um, so yeah, that's my gory story. It was disgusting, skin was everywhere, but uh, yeah. Hey Mike, this is Bennett Lester of Bennett Lester Carpentry, based out of Camrose County in Alberta, Canada. My Instagram is Builder Bennett. 
I'm not sure if this story is spooky or scary, but it was definitely weird. Um, a few years ago, we were asked to extend the rod on a chandelier. Um, so we did that. We rent the scaffold, put the extra bar on, run our checks. Everything's working good. So we leave. Uh, then a couple of months later, we get a call back and it's quit working. No problem. I did the work. I can warranty it. That's We'll be there, you know, in a couple of weeks. And then the night before we go to do it, uh, I'm tossing and turning all night. And I had a dream, which is weird, that the problem is a switch, not the chandelier. I figure it's just stress running the new company. I had many uh, stressful nights, so I disregard it. So we get up there, we rent the scaffold, do our checks. Everything seems to be working. And then my buddy goes around the corner, finds another switch bank, uh, starts playing with them, and one is messed up. Turns out that this chandelier is on a four-way switch, not just a three-way, like the homeowner thought. Anyway, quick trip to Home Depot, put on a new four-way switch, everything's right as rain. But to have a dream like that the night before... Kind of some premonitions. Definitely weird. I uh, told the homeowner and my buddy after the fact. And it got some funny looks, let me tell you. Anyway, sometimes go with your gut. Thanks for everything, Mike. Next, our good friend Doug Roberts from Next Level Handyman Services. Hey, Mike. Uh, trying to get this story together. Uh it's one of those uh, nightmare finishes of changing a barn into a art studio. Uh, first of all, we could only get so close to the barn because they started pouring concrete around it before we started doing any of the remodel on the building. So we had to tote all the siding, everything uh, all the materials we used on it, we had to tote from like 50 yard, 50, 60 yards away. Uh, and we redid LP siding, uh, board and batten on the outside. So that was a lot of material toting just on the siding. Uh, started off with just a simple remodel and it got more complicated uh they ordered custom windows and they didn't like them in there so we ended up building another wall on the outside to put those uh windows in and then they reordered new windows for the inside uh and all the while they were doing the landscaping on this and they ended up putting gravel down over most of the yard around the concrete pad and wanted us to uh, not get sawdust in the gravel while we were cutting lumber to rebuild everything in the inside. Uh, it was just one thing after another. And my favorite one was uh, I kept hearing, well, my contractor in Georgia did this, but uh, some of the things they were asking to do were a little tough uh, and they would be nitpicky on it for up until you got in the middle of it and then they wanted to uh, push you hurry up hurry up hurry up we're trying to get all this done uh, it is it was kind of a nightmare of just 
trying to coordinate things and do things the right way when nothing was going the right way. They had the plumber come in and set a water heater in a cabinet on the back side of the building before we put the siding on, so we had to work around that to get the siding on. The electricians didn't come in until we were halfway done with the siding and decided where they wanted to put the panel at to on the outside of the building because they didn't want it in the inside to make it look ugly. Uh, <laughs> we got started on the framing and right after that, they uh, brought a concrete guy in to grind the concrete on the floor where the animals had been in there over the years. And so we had to go out for two or three days while he got all that ground and level back up like it was supposed to be installed a door double french door and then they took the door down to paint doors down to paint it when they rehung them they over tightened the screws and the doors wouldn't shut right so i had to go back and take the door out to get it back where it would open and close like it was supposed to so anyway happy halloween happy halloween from next level handyman service This is Nate Shuley, the owner of Full Tilt Timber Framing. My Instagram is full.tilt.timber.framing. This is a short story about a nutty client and the lesson I learned from them. So back in November of 2021, I had a meeting with a general contractor. He builds a lot of custom timber homes in my area. And this would have been my first general contractor local to me. Most of my work is out of state or in... Um, at least different towns. So the meeting was going very well until I ended up turning down the first two stages of the job he was offering me. I told him, you have the timbers bought, they're already on site, your carpenters have done timber framing before, they have a plan for assembly and joinery, I'll get out ahead of stage three and then we can meet everybody's deadlines and hopefully everything will go smoothly. The owner responded, okay, we'll see you on Monday so you can start stage one. I didn't know what to say, I just kind of sat there for a little bit. I ended up leaving the meeting with the plans for the house. I ended up bidding the entire house and against my better judgment, I accepted the entire job. So fast forward to May of this year, after about six months of working together, everything on the project was going fairly smoothly. Um, there was plenty of tension due to the fact that he basically said, yeah, you're hired even though you don't want the job show up. Um, so in May, I was installing the accent trusses in the great room and his beam lift seized up a cable jumped off of a pulley and so I called his superintendent and just let him know hey is there anything I can do to fix this or do you want to fix it um, I couldn't get a hold of the super and so I called the owner of the general contracting firm let him know hey uh, the beam list's not working I'll be back on Monday let me know um, kind of if you get it fixed or what I can do to help he ended up calling me on the phone cussed at me calling me lazy etc etc I hung up on him because I didn't feel like I wanted to listen to that or it was an effective use of my time and he ended up firing me a few hours later by text. The lesson I learned was listen to your gut and you don't ever feel obligated to work for a general contractor you don't agree with and you don't think will work out. What the hell's going on, bud? Hey, my name's Paris. Uh, I'm an apprentice alloy boat builder and my Instagram handle is wakawahine. So last December, I cut my middle finger with a one mil cutting disc to the bone on a Tuesday and when it happened I, I let out a little eh! you know the boys around me laughed until 
I looked at the tradie I was working with and was like, oh, it's actually pretty bad, bro. <laughs> and because I was in shock, I didn't start crying until the office lady came down into the toilet I was in. And as soon as she had a look, she said, oh, we need to get you to the hospital. So four stitches later, my employer kindly gave me a day, uh, day off <laughs> um, and put me on light duties Thursday and Friday, cleaning and servicing the welders and fab. Uh, that weekend, I got on it with my mates and did three pull-ups in a row, <laughs> which I know sounds silly. But uh, hey, the stitches didn't break and it felt pretty cool at the time. Uh, Monday comes around and the weld off of the boat I was working on was happening. So I cut the middle finger of my welding glove off. The welding glove. Uh, stuck my bandage finger in there and jumped right back into it less than a week after the accident. Uh, so no brain, no pain, I think the saying goes. And you know... Where there's a will, there's a way, especially if you're stubborn like me. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so that's my story. Happy Halloween, humans. Next up, Aaron Butt, a.k.a. Aaron Thomas Aquinas on Instagram. It was the spring of, I think, 2003. I was heading up a renovation in a small town in Massachusetts. And the homeowner had been relatively difficult and at some point had started working with contractors she was hiring on herself, subcontractors that is. Uh, one particular day, after a very difficult winter with her, I showed up at the job site to find out that there was a second flooring contractor, uh, aside from the one that we'd hired, that was there starting to do work. I objected to this, of course, uh, and I called my boss and informed him of what was going on. And at the time it came to leave, I went to leave and she stood in front of the door locked it and told me I wasn't allowed to go until I finished some unknown task. Uh, clearly, I was not going to do that, uh, but she insisted, and being a good behaved con uh, contract supervisor that I am, I, I was unwilling to sort of move her out of my way to pass her, so I called my boss, and my boss called her and said that he was going to call the police because if she was unwilling to let me go, she was in effect kidnapping me, to which she said he is staying until he does what I want him to do. So he got off the phone and he called the police and the police showed up and escorted me out of her building. I don't know if that's a very good story, but that's the one I got. Um, needless to say, I did not go back to the job site after that. <laughs> This is Callie Sudbrook with Beachside Interiors, and you can find me at Callie the Contractor on Instagram. My horror story comes in the form of a 1952 vintage camper, so lovingly called a Lakewood canned ham. I'm new to the trades, so about six months into me opening my business this year, a former colleague reached out to me and asked if I could build a mobile bar for her and her business partner in a 1952 camper. I was like, sure! I'm actually trying to focus a lot of my work on mobile businesses, so I was really stoked for this opportunity. The plan was for me to drive up to Fresno, where they live, from LA to check it out and give them an estimate, but I ended up having to postpone a cabinet job I had planned for June because the cabinet distributor uh, had basically like an eight-week delay. I called uh, Whitney to let her know that I could start sooner because I had to push back my other client, 
and she was like, how about we bring it by this weekend and you can just keep it and work on it in between jobs till you're done. So against my better judgment, I thought, well, okay, that actually sounds pretty great. I don't need to see it in person. Let's just do it. So I essentially took this camper job much like a real estate investor would buy a house sight unseen. I truly had no idea what I was getting myself into and literally no amount of research or prep work could have prepared me for the horror. They had done a lot of the demo already by taking out the original furniture and fixtures. So I thought, perfect, a lot of the hard work is already done because I really hate demo. She mentioned the floor was also squishy in a couple spots and I thought, okay, well, how bad could it be? Three days later, they drove it down from Fresno, dropped it off in my backyard, and took off back to Fresno like they had never been there. I took about an hour to survey the scope of work, and needless to say, I came inside quietly, looked at my wife, and asked, what the hell did I just get myself into? That day, I knew I was in for an uphill battle. What was supposed to be purely finished work turned into weeks of continued demo and basically reframing and rebuilding the entire camper from the inside out from the chassis up. As I started peeling back the layers of shellacked 8th inch plywood, old insulation, clutch screws everywhere, I realized that 90% of the framing members were either water damaged, termite infested, or rotted out. The, and the back wall had just entire chunks that were literally completely disintegrated, which made me wonder, how in the heck did they get it from Fresno to LA without the whole thing collapsing on the freeway? The floor had been made out of some sort of 1950s hardboard or press board, and there were areas where it was so damaged that the edges of the camper were literally just melting off the sides of the trailer chassis towards the ground. Um, the aluminum shell was miraculously still holding it together, though. So what should have been a one to two month job has now turned into four months, and I'm nearing the end of, at about 90% completion. I've learned so much on this job. For example, to always do an in-person estimate for these specialty type projects. But it's also probably the most fun I've ever had on a job because it was literally all brand new and I was learning and having fun every single day. So not only was the camper super scary when it arrived, it has also been a really scary little wild ride for these past few months. Thanks for listening. <laughs> And that's what happens when our next storyteller walks into the room. It's Michael Anschel of OA Design Build. Alright. You want some scary stories? We'll give you some scary stories, Mike. Let's start with... Instagram. If there was ever a collection of... General expression of lack of understanding of our control layers, our building assemblies. Instagram is is a terrifying display of how little so many builders and remodelers know about how buildings work. I it you could spend all day trying to correct the misinformation that's flying around and the nonsense that people are throwing out there. It's also, you want to see like people acting in irresponsible ways? Holy smokes. When's the, you know, hard hats, eyes, ears, foot. You got guys doing how-to videos wearing flip-flops, you know, Walking on uh, walking on roofs without harnesses and ropes. I'm. It's just like if I was an OSHA inspector, I'd just go on Instagram and find everyone doing everything wrong and just start handing out tickets. 
I think that's pretty scary. You know what else is scary? Hammer. There's more of the same. What else is scary? Oh, what's Tom Reber? That's a scary dude. Holy smokes. His nonsensical contractor fight. It's seven layers of bullshit about contractors being alone in the world and needing to fight their clients and my way or the highway and shirts that say shut the fuck up. The entire macho, toxic bullshit culture around construction workers, you know, the cat calling tobacco spitting truck driving contractor image that you got to be tough to be a contractor and you better man the fuck up and all that bullshit that comes along with the field. Yeah, that's scary. That's pretty freaking scary. I thought you bet you thought I was going to talk about like water infiltration or the time that we, you know, went to remodel a kitchen and replace a single window and discovered that the entire back half of the home had been wet and held wet because some replacement contractor had drilled through the stucco, filled it with cellulose, then caulked around all the windows and created a giant bathtub in the wall and rotted out two stories at the back of their home. It was a beautiful, beautiful uh, $40,000 kitchen that turned into a $200,000 rebuild of the back of their house. But nope, nope, I'm going to talk about the ignorance of the building community, the ignorance of the architecture community. Hell, we don't even know how to estimate in the remodeling world. People are still attaching their 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 overhead and their profit margins to the cost of materials. I mean, can you think of a more ridiculous way to cover your overhead than to to just mark up the materials and hope that it covers your overhead? That's freaking scary. So, I hope I've I've sufficiently terrified anybody listening to your podcast about the ramshackle favela cobbled together nature of our mostly unregulated industry in the United States. Um, but maybe that's a, maybe that should be like a big freaking wake up call to, um, why we have so many building failures in the first place. You know, maybe if we required builders and architects to demonstrate some degree of knowledge of how buildings work, uh, and, and how their systems work and how the layers work and what an assembly is, uh, maybe, maybe we wouldn't build such uh, such crappy stuff. I don't know. I'm way over time, buddy. I love you. Happy Halloween, and uh, don't let uh, don't let this keep you up at night. <laughs> well, I may never post my work on Instagram again for fear of Michael Antra's ire. Our next storyteller's work is fairly bulletproof. It's Ryan Smith, the Roof Slayer. The year was 2004, uh, Halloween day. We were in Rochester, New York. It was our first day on the job, and I was on the foundation pulling layout across our sill plate. And I was walking backwards. I remember, I'll never forget, my uh, brother-in-law was working with us at the time and he was out on the steel beam and I had just called over the location for a double joist for him and I took a step backwards and there was a window opening for an egress window in the foundation and I had those logging type boots on with the tall heel back then (laughs) 
anyways, uh, the heel had slipped into the opening enough to throw me off balance. And naturally, I was going backwards into a 10-foot foundation. Uh, so my first reaction was to grab onto the wall with my right hand, which is what I did. And when I did that, it swung me into the wall, and my left hand caught a wall tie in the concrete perfect, and I severed my nerve tendon in one of the arteries in my thumb. So there was blood all over the wall, and I hit the ground and started running in the wrong direction, and we got everything sorted and bandaged up, and off to the hospital we went. So we get to the hospital, and the emergency room was was very busy to say the least it turned out that everybody there had wounds from carving pumpkins so there was lots of cuts and lacerations and once uh they did the triage they got me back there and kind of got me stitched up and we scheduled in a, a surgery appointment in buffalo where i live uh, because we have the hand center there so figured they were the best at uh, what they do why not do it there so yeah, kind of a gory Halloween tale. Long, long time ago. And I never learned. I'm still doing the same thing. <laughs> And now, the moment you've all been waiting for. The tool hacker himself, Mr. Brant Taylor. It was a brisk October day in late 2014 when the scariest thing that ever happened in my construction career took place. It was a day not at all unlike today. I'll never forget it. Crunchy leaves littering the sidewalk, the sun a low-slung, dangling auburn ornament lingering low in the warm afternoon air, punching its fragmented sunbeams through patchy holes in the waving parse foliage, dancing littered light along the yellowing grass like vintage early picture films. The soundtrack carried along the breeze, echoed by the chorus of dragging leaves being hustled across the exposed aggregate driveway. The air in autumn is electric. The eagerness of change hangs heavy in the wind like a spinster's perfume. My apprentice was on site with me this electric day, a slender man, 22 years of age, every bit of 96 pounds soaking wet and wearing lead boots. A fellow musician, a talented wordsmith, and apparently a man with a lifelong history of having a tender tummy. We were embarking upon our newest exploit, a total house remodel, our very first. A split-level ranch with a walkout basement and main floor upstairs. It was our fourth day on site, demolition finally complete, we were beginning to transition the site for rebuilding. There was no power, no running water, and since both bathroom floors had been demolished in haste, no toilets. Well, just as nature was speaking loudly outdoors, ushering along its bitter warnings of a swiftly approaching change, my apprentice, too, suddenly felt nature calling. And it had a most urgent message indeed. One tailor-made for his tender little tummy. Desperate, we scrambled for a fast fix. A solution for solitude amongst this significantly surveilled subdivision. There was no outdoor privacy to be had kids had just gotten off the school bus. Their voices were scattered amongst the tumbling leaves. This deed, this deed must be done indoors. But how? After a few moments of failed prototyping, a bucket was swiftly corralled, along with the napkins left over from the lunchtime feast. And with the grim grimace gracing my co-worker's desperate face, we exchanged a silent nod before I was sent upstairs to grant him privacy, but more importantly, to keep watch. 
making sure no one intruded into this most desperate of dispositions. After reaching the top of the stairs, the unpleasant sound swiftly ensued of a once-reusable bucket becoming irreparably sullied. But then, suddenly, jarringly, a racket broke out. Nay, I tell you, it was a calamity that erupted. The downstairs door handle began jiggling, then rattling, now rumbling, and the stubborn, solid door slab sticking in its slanted frame was being forcibly kicked open. The slab slammed against the adjacent wall, and a man, speaking loudly mid-sentence, entered the house. A few steps in, the slam of a screen door with the failed closing damper rang out behind him like a pistol. Frantically, I flew down the stairs in a failed attempt to intercept the inevitable tragedy that was awaiting all of us, but alas, I was too late. As the man rounded the corner, my apprentice let out a hearty, startled, embarrassed scream, ah! which startled the distracted man still on his phone, and the sudden outburst made him scream. Ah! Both men froze there in that terrifying, awkward moment, screaming at one another, and with a swift, thoughtless reflex reaction, the man turned around to make a hasty, embarrassed escape, only to find that I was right behind him with a look of terror on my own face, which startled him even more, and he screamed again, ah! jumping this time, which startled me and made me scream, ah! as our eyes acclimated to the moment our pupils dilating we recognized each other and came to our senses this wasn't just any man it was my client he must have been pulling down the driveway at the precise moment i'd been walking up the stairs my failed vigil vacuous of virtue had left us vulnerable to this vicious vile villainy we both tried forming words he wait no i was uh, i can explain but in the silence between our words, we both heard the voice on the other end of the phone frantically insisting on more information. My client lifted the phone to his ear, began offering reassurances, and walked past me offering a searing glare. And he exited the house hastily, the screen door slamming once again behind him in its aluminum frame, ringing out like a rifle, firing a bullet into the heart of my integrity, now laying on the floor, bleeding out from this unspeakable act. The moment just lingered there, pensively, for what felt like an eternity. But the scariest part of this scary story is yet to be revealed. As I reluctantly shifted my sights toward my apprentice, I saw what will forever remain in my memory as the most horrifying thing I've ever seen on a job site. Apparently, in the midst of the chaos, our tiny little friend with his tender little tummy had lost his grip on the thin sides of the frail bucket. His narrow haunches had folded like a lawn chair. His feet were now dangling in the air. And well, let's just say he looked like a human-sized French dip sandwich that had been dunked in a most disgraceful batch of audacious au jus. Now, there was no good way out of this predicament. If you've not ever found yourself lodged inside a five-gallon bucket, it's like a Chinese finger trap for your behind. I couldn't stand him up, because the bucket would tip, and we didn't want the mess inside this already crappy house. No, there was only one way to avail my poor employee of this debacle. I squatted down, I hugged the warm bucket, and I picked him up while still in the bucket, bodyguard style. I, the heroic Kevin Costner, to his helpless Whitney Houston. I took him outside the back door, 
I laid him on his side in the grass, and while he managed to wriggle out of the bucket, neither of us will ever be able to fully dislodge ourselves from the shame of that moment. When I tell you I've seen it all on a job site, you now know. I'm not shitting you. And with that, when something goes wrong, just remember, it could always be worse. Well, that brings the 100th episode of the Contracting Handbook podcast to an end. Thanks to all my guest storytellers, and thanks to you all for tuning in and sharing this on social media. I got to admit, I was completely blown away this week when I found out that the podcast was in the top 5% of all podcasts globally. And I'm just going to come right out and say that this first Halloween special has been a resounding success. We heard from master craftsmen, apprentices, tradespeople, business people, and Michael Anchel, fully in the spirit of the Contracting Handbook podcast. We're going to keep sharing our stories our successes and failures in running our businesses, our issues of mental health, what we value, and our favorite tools. And join us next week, November 7th, where my guest is John Hilgenberg of JCH Cabinets. And we talk about his apprenticeship, specializing, and planning for the future. We also hit upon the silver lining of an injury and his craftsmanship program. All right, you guys. That's all I got. Later. Later.